Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very 243rd episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast about board games, board games, board games, and board games. I am joined today by Pip War. Hello. And on the podcast today, we're doing, we're on our A game. It's a triple A podcast. It's a podcast round which we have contorted the games we have chosen so that it fits a silly title. It's one of those podcasts. Exactly. You can obviously tell that we are on our A game for this pod. We're going to be talking about three games that start with A. We're going to be talking about Acropolis because we just played it and it has a lot in common with the second game we're going to talk about, which is Aqua. And then we're going to go away from the new and into the past to talk about Azul because Pip played it yesterday. Yeah, I've played it before as well, but you know, it was just that sounded like the 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 far past I was referring to was yesterday. But I more meant that it's a game that's been out for a while. <laughs> a classic, a modern classic. This is kind of a podcast of me showing you a couple of games where I just think you'll like them based on vibes. Yeah, I get the feeling that you're sort of wearing a very sparkly dress and draping yourself over a board game box and being right. like, hmm, this? Would you <laughs> yeah. care to take this for a spin? That's not a bad idea for like a video review doing a sort of super QVC style, you know, a look through the games of the year. Maybe that's our Christmas gift guide next year. Do you know how much QVC I have watched? <laughs> <laughs> I had a card. I was a card-carrying member of the QVC community. <laughs> you can be our QVC consultant for that episode. Nice. Is that kind of... I'm trying to work out if there's like a... If you could make QVC stand for QV consultant. Do you know what it actually stands for? Yeah, I'm realising that I... I um, I'm just getting word from our sponsors that I, I don't know what it stands for, actually. I believe it's quality value choice. <laughs> quality value and choice. <laughs> Hmm. Are you, are you, do you feel like you are the, you would bring those things to being our QVC consultant? I think I could, yeah. The quality may be variable. <laughs> the value, <laughs> similarly, <laughs> questionable. And the choice, you, you did choose me, so yeah. that's on you, by the my sound friend. Of things. <laughs> but I still know more about QVC than you, so... <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing that I've had in my head where I just want to make myself a PB&J sandwich, but it's just the Scrabble tiles that I put between a piece of bread. And then obviously it cuts to me eating the bread and like, you know, you've put something like uh, cola cubes or something in instead so you can get a real crunch as if you're eating the tiles. Welcome back to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. <laughs> so sorry. First up on this podcast, we're going to talk about Acropolis. We've just come out of a fresh, exciting game of this on Board mm. Game Arena. This is a game we're sort of covering again. I did a quick search to see if we'd talked about this game on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, because I didn't remember talking about it on the podcast, and I checked to see if we'd done it on video, because I didn't remember talking about it on video. Turns out we had done both of those things. We had covered it on the podcast and on video. So if you've already heard about this game from us... I'm sorry, we're talking about it again because it has a lot in common with Aqua, the next game we're going to talk about, and because it starts with the letter A. <laughs> <laughs> the board game implementation, the board game arena implementation of this game had Pip completely perplexed in the first half. Mm. It's a game of like spatial moving around little tiles, putting them in the right places, trying to get points. 
and you just had a uh, I don't want to call it a meltdown because that sounds unprofessional <laughs> but maybe a, I mean a, a breakdown sounds a little bit you know a little bit better but still still bad I don't know I think they're both pretty bad I would yeah, say true. I had a brief period of not blind panic quite getting where the design decisions had led them <laughs> <laughs> i took great delight in reminding you that i actually found that implementation very solid and intuitive mm. uh, but I, I think that might have rubbed you up the wrong way uh i don't know <laughs> Well, I think you did You did on purpose tell me that exact uh, thing <laughs> after a prolonged period of me going, what? Oh, why? Mm. <laughs> How? <laughs> so to explain what the hell we're talking about here, this is a tile laying game where you're placing these big, chunky, hexagonal tiles into a board that you're building out into a city you're building out that's going to try and score you a bunch of points the hexagonal tiles aren't just individual hexagons though they're little clusters of three which makes them kind of frustrating to place in this weird little dance of finding the right slot for them on your own personal little board the way that you play the core loop of the game is you're just going to choose one tile from a little market at the top spending a different amount of currency depending on where that tile is in the market and then you socket it into your city the hook being that you can actually lay these tiles on top of existing tiles in your city to elevate them up to higher levels. So a tile that's on the level one of your city is probably not going to be worth many points, but if you start jacking it higher and higher, it's going to be worth more and more. There's also like this nice little consideration about trying to see what your opponent is trying to build. It's very clear, very visible what your opponent is trying to go for and trying to deny them by picking things that they might want, putting them in your city, even if it doesn't benefit you that much, it might annoy them. Okay. And that's especially clear in the two-player game, I think. This was your first time playing Acropolis, right, Pip? It was, although I have played uh, similar games before because the element here that I think we were leaning on... Because we only played Acropolis because you were using it as a reference point for Aqua. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, well, if you haven't played that, that is on Board Game Arena. So let's just uh, get a little, yeah, check get it a little out. game in. And it reminded me of a game called Islet, where essentially you are laying tiles in order to help birds lay eggs uh, at mm. various points on, on this isle. And so... With this, it was that sort of, you lay these tiles, but then it's the second and the third layer of tiles that will score you the big old points. Mm -hmm. And so I was very into trying to both mess with your plans and build gardens as high up as possible, because I went all in on gardens. You um, did. Pretty early on, which made me kind of vulnerable to you messing me around, but because I was trying to do this verticality thing and that is uh, the way that you earn the currency it did mean that as gardens emerged and if especially if they had a, a cost attached to them I would be able to scoop them up the, and you wouldn't because you were being slightly more sort of um, horizontally expansionist which <laughs> was good for your blue win condition because that's to do with you know connected adjacent blue yes. hexagons 
But for me, I was very much not interested in blue, apart from where it would mess your plans up. <laughs> <laughs> so I was rich in little bits of stone. <laughs> yeah, and that that can be really punitive if you're locked out of that market. Like I had a point where I was like, when once you're in this position where you aren't getting to choose the tiles that you're adding to your, you know, to your Acropolis, to your city you're in this real like downward spiral of like having to take something you don't want and then not being able to make a group of tiles that will give you the currency and so on and so forth. I think this is a, it's a really nifty little game. Like I really I really do like it. It's sort of a staple of, of my collection at this point. I think it's like a it's a little, a little bit of a classic for me. And I also just before we move on to talking about Aqua, because I, I want to hop onto that to sort of see which you would abstractly prefer to play <laughs> again or ever. Yeah. I wanted to highlight one thing, which is that when we were playing this game, I thought this was an interesting statistic. On Board Game Arena, it gives you your thinking time. It gives you your statistic. It gives you your thinking time, right? Mm. You won our game by 24 points, I right? I did. That was pretty great. It was. It was very good. <laughs> Do you want to know how many more minutes you spent thinking about the game than I did? Oh, wow. Well, how can we differentiate thinking versus arguing with the clicky positioning <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's very true <laughs> to which i think you may you know the the ratio of those two will probably be an even split of 50 50 yeah. <laughs> wrestling versus thinking Go on, but man. your your total thinking time was exactly 24 minutes longer than mine <laughs> <laughs> so we've now worked out your point per minute like we've got a perfect Whoa. uh perfect information on that that is a perfect, yeah, that's a great fit. I now know yeah. how to win all board games. <laughs> Just tell me how many points I need and I will spend exactly that much time thinking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that many minutes doing something else. Exactly. And then you'll return to the game having clearly won. Yeah, exactly. I'll just go and put dinner on. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Acropolis. It's a good game. You can find a bunch of coverage that we have given that game uh, on video or on the podcast. But what we're really here to talk about is the big, new, exciting game in the world of hexagons, tiles, triangles, and all of that jazz. Let's talk about Aqua. This is a game published by The Op and brought to us by Sidekick Games, who you might know from games like Heat, Pedal to the Metal, and uh, Flamme Rouge. But it's a bit of a change of pace. It's designed by a father and son duo, and it's about building out a sort of coral reef, a nice little bit of ocean that you're going to attract animals into to sc score you points. It's a, game, it's a game about points again. This is a weird one to try and explain with words before we get into it we should give it its full title because as oh, yes. we discovered there is another game called aqua which also sounds up my street so um this is aqua biodiversity in the oceans mm. Mm. it's got a subtitle it's got a colon <laughs> it's got a whole a whole bunch of extra words but that really supports your sort of your description of it as building up a reef and habitats mm. and then being able to sort of move on to the larger animals. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You are you are building up a sort of a diverse little ocean floor so that you can then eventually attract a big whale or an octopus, which is kind of like everyone's goal in life, question mm. mark. Don't know mm. if that quite works. Me, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
As as a representative for all people, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> you concur. Okay, cool. And as someone who is, uh, I think I'm pretty firmly not a representative for all people, I will I will just accept this as truth. Mm. And we can move on to talking about how this dog dang game works. So this works very similarly to Acropolis in that each round you have a selection of these tiles in front of you in a little market uh, that is one larger than the player count that you're going to be sat at. So three tiles in a two-player game, and then whoever is the first player has a choice. They can either take a tile from the market and add it to their little habitat in front of them, or they can take the sea snail. If you choose to take the sea snail, you will go last this round, but first next round. This has sort of like quite a lot of impact in a two-player game, but it's more visibly impactful in like a three or four as far as like if you are the first player to pick, maybe nothing in the market catches your eye. You take that sea snail and you know you're going to be first when there's something really juicy for you. The way that the placement works is you can basically just socket this tile anywhere into your sort of multicolored coral reef habitat that's all kinds of different colors. And the actual tiles themselves, they're hexagons, but they're divided into th into sort of three individual thirds, diamonds, of different colours. Mm. So when you build out this patchwork, you're getting this sort of like slightly knobbly-bobbly weird-looking thing where you're trying to ultimately make hexagons within the hexagons. So the, yeah, to help people visualise it, those those starting tiles, those coral tiles, they have the look of when you draw a 3D cube. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So those, yeah, those three diamonds that slot together to form a hexagon, but you are then trying to colour match the different coloured diamonds so that you then form a 3D cube style hexagon. I'm mm -hmm. making this worse, aren't I? But no, I think it makes of, sense. <laughs> out of uh, all of the same colour, so yeah. I think I'm going to use the picture that the designers have put on BoardGameGeek as the thumbnail for this podcast because it so elegantly explains what we're really struggling <laughs> to get across to the audience here. But yeah, essentially you're trying to make a 3D cube within your little coral reef. And once you've done that, you can then attract a bit of wildlife to it. So if you make a little area of these of red coral, you can put a crab on there and that's going to be worth some points. An area of pink coral will get you a seahorse and so on and so forth. And those will get you little sections of points. But there are two weird twists to this that I think are really interesting. The first is that if you make a group of coral that is bigger than this sort of like perfect cube, you do not get to put an animal on it. Instead, you now have something that's called a reef, which will score everything connected to it again. So it's about working out where you're going to put your animals and where you're going to put your reefs that are going to slip between them to make them eligible for scoring more than one. Mm. And then the other big twist is that when you make multiple uh, animals in a row or in a certain patterns, you can attract one of these bigger animals to your reef. So if you have, like, let's say, a seahorse and a crab and a jellyfish all in a line, you then take this big hammerhead shark and you put it on top covering all three of them and that gets you like really big points. This might sound simple, it might sound easy, but this hurts my brain every single time I've played it so far. <laughs> it's such a nasty spatial puzzle that's like, it's such a relaxing and pretty thing to look at and then the puzzle of it is so punishing. Like, it's <laughs> so... There are I'm some in! Little... <laughs> 
Yeah, right. Well, that's good because there are like there's lots of like little tricks that you can kind of identify as to how to make things easier. Like if one of the tiles has two of the same colored tile on it, then you won't be able to make one of these nice, you know, uh, hexagons with it. You'll have to turn it into a reef instead. And there was like a learning curve. But even then, it's still very tricky. Um, Mm. But good, but satisfying. I don't know. It sounds quite intuitive to me, actually. Ah, <laughs> you were waiting on that. You knew. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> There's also like a little mini game of what the wildlife that you put onto the board is going to score these like end game objectives in different ways. So like the more seahorses you have, the more uh, eels will be worth to you, for example. God, this is so board games. <laughs> but it's nice. And I was basically like, I don't really know what my goal is here, Pip, because you've not played this game. Mm. But I sort of wanted to sell it to you as someone who enjoys the ocean and someone who enjoys games that are like pleasing puzzles. Mm. This might be a good recommendation for precisely you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I've I looked at the board game geek page for it and saw that the box is very oh, there's a solo challenge mode and I was like oh. I'm in because <laughs> so, I am the sort of person that will just have a lovely time organizing tiles on my own in yeah. sort of peace and I was going to say quiet but obviously I would have probably like the real housewives or something on while I'm doing this but yeah no it sounds fun I was I was actually wondering like how you feel in terms of so I think we were talking yesterday a tiny bit about a game I played called Bonsai and almost like just where I felt it fitted in the realms of all of the many many gardening based games that are currently out there and what I'm currently looking for in terms of yeah. you know that space and things differentiating themselves and so for me with bonsai it's the fact that bonsai has these hexagonal tiles that you place together to form the trunk of the bonsai tree and then the the leaves and stuff like that and the way that those slot together immediately makes that sort of very very artificial but flowing bonsai feel mm, to the tree yeah. and the the sense that you are cultivating and pruning and on all of this stuff and in these kinds of games so aqua and acropolis and then stuff like islet and and so on it's kind of i i'm trying to think what i would look for in terms of the the standout factors in these things and and i was thinking it's like how well the the vertical elements fits in with the with the the concept I suppose and so with Acropolis the idea is I mean the word Acropolis literally means like the summit of the city the top of the city right oh I didn't know that yeah it's um from the Greek of I think it's Akron and Polis or Akros and Polis Akron I think I uh, did Greek a very long time ago. (laughs) But like, so that automatically to me feels like it has a reason to have that verticality and why verticality is rewarded. And then you've got something like Aqua where it's like, oh, okay, cool. So the the 3D nature of this, the, the growing things upwards, probably it sounds like it's more to do with being a way of visualizing the trophic levels 
that are sure. at play here. Like you've got your corals at the bottom and then you've got like these sort of more, not not less advanced life forms, but sort of they're not <laughs> alpha predators. They are probably yeah. things that eat plankton or chill guys like herbivorous or you know all of that kind of, you know like just the lower key wouldn't yeah. kill you kind of yeah. things yeah and then you go up to sort of the oceans <laughs> you may want to bleep that i don't remember i will have no holds barred when <laughs> when talking about those bastard whales well, it's not the whales that are the problem. It's the dolphins. Like, those yeah, that's go- true. But you have to watch out for dolphins. They and are they the look worst. so pleased as well. Look at them, in, especially in this game. They've got these big smiles. Oh, the noise from their awful beaky faces. It's just such a... And you're like, I just <laughs> need time away from you people. Anyway, but it sounds like the verticality here and the, like, the, um, the appeal of that is that you have advanced further along the the food chain or you've sort of set up this habitat that then supports like bigger and bigger organisms. Mm. So I was wondering how you feel about, well, firstly about that as a way of almost like grading what these games are doing or finding what which ones of that people would vibe with. And also just whether you think this one does it particularly well because it feels like you you definitely wanted to tell me all about it so is it that it's just like a thematic really good fit or is it that you know there was something in there that you were like oh this is you know this really got me that's interesting because it's definitely like for me the thing that I was going to bring up about Aqua like ultimately or where I sat on it like as a as a game like critically is that I feel like a lot of these like relaxing, sweet, you know, very chilled out tile laying games that have a little bit of bite to them here and there kind of all feel very similar to me. Like, I don't think you need to have a collection stocked with these kinds of things. You only need one. Mm. And for me, like I'm a, you know, like I think I'm relatively speaking like mechanics first as a player for these kinds of things. And like, I'm normally focused on like, how do the mechanics make me feel? And there's so little in it between Aqua and Acropolis. They have the same kind of like concerns about like trying to snatch the first play away from someone at a really like opportune moment, having this like spatial planning aspect, having these multi-layered like tiers of stuff. Like they feel so similar to me that then I'm just left to think about like either the really fine differences in the mechanics, which kind of just get ironed out over repeat plays, or I'm thinking about like the theme and the colors and how does this thing look and how approachable is it for people? <laughs> and I think that that's what's interesting about like the difference between the two is like, I sort of wish there was this beautiful crossbreed where it was Aqua's visuals, potentially with Acropolis's mechanics, because mm. I think I'm really like, I, I'm, you know, Acropolis just wins out for me in terms of the way that it feels to play. Um, and but Aqua is like visually like very stunning and also just it's just a more interesting or colorful uh, theme for people who are curious about board games rather than Acropolis's theme, which is build a Greek mountain city place, <laughs> do districts on levels rather mm. than like get a seahorse. Like that's so much more exciting than get a market. <laughs> so I don't know if that entirely answers the questions pitch there, but. I wanted to highlight these games are like they are really similar in a lot of ways, but it's just like that kind of 
it's about what you as a player or you as a person want to see in that kind of like within that ballpark of of genre i guess Mm. i will say the thing that i struggled to keep in my head with Acropolis and kept having to remind myself each turn like it it was like I I'd had to set a a little mental post-it note to consult at the beginning of each turn by a certain point because I kept making the mistake over and over and that was (laughs) in terms of the game's um, iconography I could not get it into my head that a blue star wasn't a blue token if you see what I mean yeah 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 I know exactly what you mean and to sort of explain to people who maybe don't um can't picture what i'm talking about there's um in acropolis you earn points with these star multipliers um and the star multipliers are given to you on these tiles in the same coloring and the same sort of the the same way of presenting them in a lot of ways Mm. Um, as the stuff the multiplier applies to even though you can't use it to also boost the so like in to go back to the the thing that we were talking about earlier tom was focusing on getting a lot of uh houses in uh connected um sequence and those are these blue hexes and i kept mistaking the blue star that is the multiplier for another thing that i could add in to (laughs) this blue chain because it's blue like that is where my brain stops you know (laughs) processing the information it's like yeah but it's blue (laughs) like you said i could use blue things for this why can't i use this blue thing yeah yeah, yeah. oh yes but that's the multiplier it's like yes but it's blue I'd love to see like a second edition of Acropolis where they just gently tidy up some of that like confusion in the iconography because yeah that's something that Aqua just doesn't have like there is a real like there is a cleanness to the way that Aqua's tiles Mm. are like laid out and how obvious it is when something is like you know when something is part of a group and when it isn't it's not hard to get your head around whereas with Mm. Acropolis like yeah the the, there are these weird little questions that get thrown up that just kind of make it a slightly less smooth experience. Not by much, but just a little bit. Um, mm. But yeah, maybe these two A games should should get married and they should have a child. Aquapolis. And we'll call it Aquapolis. <laughs> exactly. Make it happen. <laughs> Finally, in our triplet of A games, Pip's going to tell me about Azul, a game that I, I have played. I don't know why I made it sound like... I, was, I sort of was building up to it sound like I hadn't played it. I have. I bought it, Pip, with my own money. I didn't Whoa. get this one for free. I went to a shop, and by a shop I mean online, um, <laughs> and I paid the person behind the counter, by which I mean Google Pay, um, some money to have the game given to me, by which I mean delivered to my flat. I'm very glad for you. It's horrible. Why do people, how do people live this way? <laughs> we all have to, Tom. You, it's you the, are it's now the spending. one of us. You've got to spend and then you've got to wait. You've got to wait for it to arrive and you've got to be in when it arrives. You know what this means? This means mm. that you can now claim to speak for all humans. You've now That's had the true. full human experience. <laughs> the, the universal experience of being excited about a package 
Mm. And especially with board games, that unique feeling of being very excited about receiving a new board game, but not immediately being able to play it. And so just like opening it and being like, yeah, cool. I haven't even done that. Like I <gasps> ordered a new copy of Champions of the Wild, which I love as Excellent a game. game. But I had the prototype edition. Uh, <laughs> so it was very much a case of, you know, some of the pieces were now falling apart or, you know, all of those things. So I actually oh bought the new edition as recommended by Shut Up and Sit Down. Um, and it has arrived. I haven't even opened the parcel because I'm like, I haven't got anyone to play it with at the moment. Oh, my so goodness. They could have just sent me socks. But, you know, they could have sent you anything. I, I they could have probably... sent you an actual lion and a giraffe and a zebra and a tiger <laughs> and a gecko and a flamingo and an Oh, ant. I should have poked out. <laughs> no wonder it was a bit hefty to take up the stairs. Um, anyway, that is all very by the by. Uh, I did play Azul last night. It is so fresh in my mind. Wow. And I played OG Azul. None of your gardens of whatever or stained glass of who'd you call it it's nope this was azul baby <laughs> standard azul it's in portugal and you're doing tiles again you are doing tiles we are back to basics and do you know why i decided to play it I decided to play it because I wanted to hold those tiles again. They're really good, aren't they? I think they might be the best board game pieces of all time. And I do not say that lightly. There's got to be competition. They're good. But the thing that I... Okay, hit, I think... This is, my so, this is my Tom's soapbox moment. This is Tom has a point. Ring the bell. It's time for Tom to talk. Because he's, he's not had enough of that recently. I think that when we talk about good components in board games, the only components that are worthy of being good components, they have to be components that have more of an impact outside of just being tokens in a game. Azul's nice pieces, they feel nice and they look nice, but they do not make me feel anything when I play with them. They are just <laughs> nice. However, let's talk about some really good components. No, the, now, because I'm is... taking back my uh, sanctioning of you speaking on behalf of people. No. <laughs> I think people will agree with me on this. I think there'll be people in the comments saying, Tom Brewster, you're a genius. That's what they'll say. Is it you? Um, it will be me, yes. Under yeah. several different accounts from several yeah. different IP addresses, I have the infrastructure already. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to send a picture of the Grande from El Grande. Oh, um, I do like the Grande from El Grande. Yeah, right. You know, you know what you know what we're talking about here. I do know what's up. Obviously, it has. You know, uh, we can joke about the shape all we want. You know, we can talk about that. But here's the thing: when you move the Grande from El Grande, looks nice, feels nice, uh -huh. and you feel powerful. You feel like you've got a totem that represents something important within the gamosphere, right? Whereas when you pick up an Azul tile, do you feel like that matters? No, you don't. Whoa. It's just a component. I rest my case. Hang on. Is this not just about fundamental insecurity? <laughs> like, Quite possibly. You just want someone to give you the talking stick. <laughs> and I'm like, fine, but... In a game about laying tiles, 
like they've got really pleasing tiles that make a really wonderful clattering noise in the bag. They've got amazing sort of heft to them for a board game piece. They they just have such a wonderful tactile quality. And as somebody who loves to like hold things in my hand and mess with them while I'm talking or while I'm listening to a rules explanation, like this is invaluable. They are the fidget spinners of the tiling <laughs> world. <laughs> I think that like Here's okay. No, here's my. This is my revised theory about Azul okay. tiles. Okay, we're gonna work work through some things. We're working it out. <laughs> my revised theory is I am so vis. There is a triangle of necessary qualities for the best board game component of all time to have. Here are the qualities: right. look, feel, and impact. And I think Azul has look and feel, but it does not have impact. You're laying tiles. It's a game about being a person who tiles things. <sighs> But it's not, it doesn't, it's not strong. Are you annoyed that it's not giving you grout or something? Yes, like, yeah. What do you <laughs> want from this? I want my Azul box to come with polyfiller or else. We've been derailed. Yes, we really have. Let's talk about what's good about Azul because it's this is like just the evangelizing Azul uh, episode of the podcast where we talk about the, the fact that we like Azul probably because I bought it because I like it and I yeah. still like it. It is a, a great game. Um, so I don't know. Do you want, shall I explain it? Uh, I assume, like, I don't want to do that thing of assuming everyone has played it because that feels like a bit of a jerk thing if people are a bit new or it just happens to be a thing they haven't played. I hadn't played it like regular base game Azul. I hadn't played it physically until very recently. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I knew it was good and it had nice tiles, but I hadn't played it until pretty recently. I played it on Board Game Arena. No, I think it would be good to give people a rough idea of what Azul is. And maybe we're just trying to sell people on it. Maybe that's what this is. I tried to sell you on Aqua earlier. You're trying to sell <laughs> the people on Azul. Okay, so Azul is a sort of... It's quite low key but it can get very spiteful you are i believe is the law that you are working as a master tiler in manuel the first's court or something and in front of you you'll have your player board which has a point tracker and it also has this five by five grid of uh, lots of different tiles arranged in diagonal lines so there's five of each different design um, and you have little sort of holding areas just to the left of each of those rows uh, which you will be filling up with tiles of one particular colour once the uh, round is over any of those lines or those holding areas which are full of tiles of one colour, uh, you get to move that tile, one of those tile colours into position. So yeah. you will be gradually filling up those rows. The game ends when somebody has filled up at least one row. Um, because of the way that the game works, you could 
complete multiple rows on your end turn basically mm. but um so that's the the end of the game but you can force people into positions where they have to pick up more tiles than will fit in a particular holding area in one go um and then those tiles end up as dropped tiles so they go into a sort of an area that gets you negative points there's also ways of connecting the tiles on the grid in the meantime you know in the in the period before you've got full rows which will get you you know extra points or better point combos the more that are in sort of horizontal or vertical lines as you place things the fun core of it is the act of taking these tiles from little pots of four around the center of the table. So you, in the law, the law of Azul. Oh yes. Uh, these are essentially pallets that are from the factories. So they will have four uh, tiles of a random assortment. So it's like you could have four of the same color feasibly, but more often you'll have maybe two of light blue and then a red and then a black on there as well. Mm. And when you go to pick from the center on your turn, you essentially look at all the different groupings of tiles and you pick one and you take all of the tiles of one color from that space. Mm. So sometimes you'll be taking just one tile and then you kick the rest of the ones that you didn't choose into the center um other times you might take you know a full four set or something like that you can also reach into the discard uh, pile and take from there so after a little while there will be more more tiles in the discard area so the ones that weren't chosen from these pallets than there will be on the pallets and so the thing there is to not end up in a position where it is maybe your turn last and everyone will be just looking at seven or eight black tiles in the center <laughs> going yep enjoy those because the <laughs> most you can fit in these little holding areas is five of a kind yeah and so, yeah, there have definitely been moments where everyone is very spitefully, very deliberately uh, picking their tiles, knowing that one person in particular, and you can do the maths of that fairly sort of <laughs> like far away from the end because you're like, oh, there's five turns left. So, or like, you know, th this will go five more times so yeah the the final person is gonna be left holding quite a lot of these <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely what i love the most about azul is that the way that players start a game enjoying this like nice quite soothing act of like building up this wall of tiles and finding ways to like score little point bonuses and it's all very like gentle and chill and then as you get into a spot where players have their sort of bits of their wall of tiles has been has been already sort of established already been built when they've got their rows a little bit gummed up with a few tiles in between rounds you then get to this wonderful bite point where people realize they can screw each other over where people <laughs> start making mistakes and slipping up and then this game starts you know your image of the game at the beginning is like these master artisans like gently placing tiles into a wall and smoothing them over and getting everything nice and perfect and by the end it's this image of like a load of like drunken crazy architects like smashing tiles on the floor throwing them at each other just broadly being very irritable 
really um, frazzled ceramic artists just <laughs> elbowing each other in the face to try and get to the last yellow tile. Like, please, I need this for my wall. It's like, you've already got four of them. And it's like, but I need a fifth to socket it in. You don't understand. <laughs> and at that point, you're like, maybe it would be worth dropping some tiles because at least it means I won't be stuck with the red ones that I don't have <laughs> any space for anywhere on my wall. <laughs> it's really good. It's it's such a it's such a delightful game with such a like really nice arc to it. And I think it's so good at explaining like it's such a good game for people who are new to the hobby because it highlights so many reasons why we like love to play games. It has that physical tactility. It has that like spatial puzzle that's like very visible and chunky and manipulatable with your hands and your eyes. Manipulatable with your eyes. <laughs> Listen, my powers are not to be talked about outside of this podcast. <laughs> not tell anyone about my cool laser vision i etched mm. those tiles by eye it has all of that physical niceness combined with this sort of like both ends of the spectrum as far as like it has that parallel play early on where it's just nice sitting with people having mm. a chat as you do something collectively but not necessarily messing with each other and then towards the end it has the full-on i'm going to kill you one tile at a time mm. it's just it does a, does a little bit of everything and i think that's delightful if there was an argument to just keep one of these pleasing puzzles in your collection i think that azul is going to be at the top of a lot of people's list just because of that diversity of what it can do in a box it's great mm. i just yeah i really love it it's nice but not too nice and by the time <laughs> you've realized it's it. not too nice you you're you're too far in you're like right no i'm just gonna be a jerk to everybody you know it's like it's not like risk where you go into it thinking oh these people won't be my friends in like 20 minutes <laughs> you're like let's all just do some lovely tile leg yeah and we'll but become yeah. enemies just as it's ending and with those games that's the end of this week's episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. What have we learned about games? We should try B next. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the board game alphabet? Yeah. Oh, Pip, we're full of good ideas this time. I think um, that we got a grade A for our opinions on these games. Not that you can be wrong about game, except when you are. I think they are all awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and there's loads of big A's at the end of that. Yeah, you know, is that, yeah. is, that is that anything? Is that look? It's the it's the end. It's the end of the podcast. We haven't got anything left for you. I'm so sorry. We'll see you again next week with another episode. Maybe we'll do B games. Maybe that's going to be the theme. Is it going to be the theme? Only one way to find out. <laughs> see you next Tune week. In. Bye. Bye.